0: Hello, welcome to our podcast, Living With Heart Disease. Is it possible to live a longer quality of life after a heart disease diagnosis? We are the patients and caregivers who have resolved to become healthier, both physically and mentally. Managing symptoms to managing side effects, or managing medication to managing finances. We share the challenges and the trials. Discover what it really means to survive and thrive with a heart condition. This is Living with Heart Disease, a heart of a Giant production. Here's your host, Solomon Jeme. Hi, welcome, my dear Welcome to the with Heart Disease. Today on the show, we have Jody Hall. My name is Obaje. Heart of a Giant. So it's a pleasure to finally catch up with her and then get to hear her story. We've been trying this for two years and there was always something on my side, you know, blocking the way. So I'm happy that we finally got here. So hi, Jody, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you where you are, where you are here now, uh, and a little bit about your condition. Yes, started.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I reside in North Carolina and I've had Congestion Park failure for 23 years now, actually, since my son has been born. And um, it was due to childbirth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was 19 years old when I was diagnosed. Patrick, my son, was about two weeks old. It was very rough because I don't think they had seen anyone with that condition at such a young age at that time. So, I was misdiagnosed with a couple things. But, um, you know, I was put in contact with some doctors, cardiologists, and things went to rolling. So, that was the beginning of it in 2000.
0: That's a big shock. And so, you know, you are 19, going for a pregnancy, which is already rough. And now you have to deal with the congestive heart failure and then raise a baby at the same time. What was that like for you? Like that moment where, like you said, you went through some diagnosis. So what what was those diagnoses? But when it got to like this final diagnosis of heart disease or, or congestive heart failure, like take us back to those to small life
1: I like to remember, you know, as a woman, you know, they say that all of your organs expand to be able to support the child. So I had my first appointment after I had my son and I was explaining to the doctor that I was, I was short of breath. And just really tired. And she said, maybe it's because of the new baby. Things are getting normal. You'll be okay. And it just got worse. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't walk I was very far. And my mother said, you know, it's time for you to go to the hospital. And it went off about a week. And when I finally went, they said that I was at, around my heart in long tech filled up with fluid, that it was just kind of the right time for me to be there.
0: Yeah, that must have been scary for you, maybe, you know, your mom and we just got, got a new, we have a new grandson, probably, you know, so how was that, That moment where you were at the hospital and, then you know, this news comes to you, what were some of the things that went right? through, like, what are some of you were thinking about or worried about right there?
1: It felt unreal. Being very young, it took a lot to comprehend, I would say. Um. And it took a while for me to actually learn what was really going on with myself. But it was, it was a feeling of hope and it was a feeling of, it would get better yeah. in time.
0: And what are some of the support you got? Cause you know, this culture to failure, like you say, it was the first time you hear about this. So how did you kind of start learning about this? Like what were some of the sources that came to you? And then I don't know where you are, the was at that time, like, you know, you to me. You know, after feeling the symptoms were awake, what are some of the things they also did, you know, at that moment?
1: Well, they ran a lot of tests. And at the time, they didn't quite understand. There was no diagnosis during my pregnancy of any high blood pressure or anything. So they they were real puzzled themselves, actually. And I had tons of cardiologists that I saw. Um, it, It was the typical, you know, getting the fluid off. A lot of blood work, a lot of tests, a lot of echocardiograms and just some, you know, social workers coming in, some educators coming in to talk with me about what this was and the the good and the bad about it. I mean, so they prepared me, you know, kind of semi prepared me for both the good and the bad
0: yeah yeah that must be helpful because you know in that moment like you said you don't know so you're probably lost yeah So, but i wanted to check on life also before the diagnosis you know like you were pregnant so probably 18 or 19 already but like what was life like in those you know the preceding years what were you up to was jolly what were you like you know what was life like yeah before the diagnosis
1: Jody was I was playing basketball. I was running track. I was very active. Even with my pregnancy, very active.
0: Yeah.
1: Didn't gain too much weight or anything. Just just normal pregnancy. Yeah. Didn't feel any different. But all the way from middle school to high school, I played basketball. It's, in my time, I was considered tall. These young ladies now are are tall, but I was Five nine, so that was kind of tall for me back then. Yeah. But yeah, basketball, track—I I, love being outdoors. Kind of a, a tom girl, actually. Yeah,
0: tom, tom yeah. yeah, that's a lot of fun. You know, I life like, to the fullest. And then, uh, you said you play basketball. What was your position, and how good were you?
1: I played center. <laughs> I sure did, <laughs> and I was starting. Even in high school, I came into high school playing a starting position. So, uh, so yeah, I had a scholarship to Carolina, Chapel Hill, yeah. but I found out I was pregnant. Yeah. So, I chose to become a mother and a wife.
0: Bless you. Bless you. I'm sure you're happy about that. You're a beautiful son, but I'll let you <laughs> tell us a little bit. And then, track what was the track about? What did you do in track?
1: I ran, um, I did the hurdle, that was yeah. pretty much it. Yeah, I just did the hurdles. The hurdle is tough. I mean, I, I've
0: never really done it like seriously, but like I respect those people. You gotta be focused, and you know, and and still fast. So that's amazing. <laughs> you saw the video about the the lady that had to from Belgium that had to run for I think she did short pull or something. So she mm-hmm. had to run for a team. So she you know, she she did like thirty seconds or something, but. It was like, you well, know, she had good form, I guess, but it was, it was very really interesting because people got first. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is just amazing. So, I mean, you got a diagnosis, like you said, you got all the documentation and stuff, and then you go home. You know, what's that process like? Like, what was supporting you all, you know, because it's a big deal, like you said, so you have your family, you have the kid to look out for. So how was that like? Because in my experience, you know, the. Support is very important, you know, especially those early days. You mentioned your mom, but I wanted to see like how was, you know, those few days and who was there to help you, you know, navigate those those early days. Yeah.
1: Well, it was kind of hard. I wasn't able to raise my son very much in the beginning because he wasn't allowed at the hospital with him being so young and I wasn't, you know, I couldn't see him. But my mother was very, very big support, making sure that, you know, he continued to know, regardless of how old he was, who I was. Because I stayed in the hospital for about a month or so after I was diagnosed.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's a long time, especially for a baby just, just born, you know, like when mean those a crucial burning moments. and you couldn't do your skin to skin and all of that, it yeah. must have been tough on you mentally. Like
1: It really was. Being a new mother and not being able to see him or, you know, nurture him the way that I, you know, planned. And I had other family support, but not a lot of people that understood the the seriousness of the of the situation.
0: Yeah. Can imagine, yeah. And how was like, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that, because, you know, we, we obviously know more now is 20, for you, 23 years, and, you know, we've been hearing about this for a while. Um, but how was that? Like, what were some of those symptoms afterwards? I mean, before you mentioned children the breast, but, like, when you came back home, you know, you must have been tired and some of those things. And you must also be like maybe frustrated by not being able to do things. So how did you kind of, you know, help people at the center a little bit or you know, or and how long did that take, more or less, where you feel okay? I think they get it now.
1: Well, being completely honest, from nineteen to actually about thirty, I didn't notice it. You didn't say? No, I continue to go to my doctor's appointments. You know, he would say you're doing okay. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And and as a young person, I, you know, I have to be brutally honest. I went on with life. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's so uh, I mean, that's this a bit, I guess, speculative, but like so compared to some of the other folks that you learned, you went through this journey. How did you think that mindset was helpful to you? Because, like you said, you're young. And you just want to keep on going through life, living. You know, 19 to 30. That's like you know, 11 years of you know, if my maths is correct, that's a long time to you know, to manage. What it means you're probably doing the wrong, the right things, and in the right attitude. But you know, not like share it, not so we can also see that it can be tough for some other folks. And then you know, that's I just want to say, if you witnessed that, or you know, if if you had to talk to somebody who just been diagnosed. What would be like, you know, you know, dark rice or the suggestion or, you know, recommendation going back to those folks?
1: The recommendation I would make is to definitely put yourself first and to definitely look into other avenues, look into other ways to help yourself. Maybe a second opinion with another doctor because I feel like, you know, that's where I kind of went wrong. And also too, I learned that rest and sh- and stress rest is very important stress is 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 a number one t- to the heart i believe yeah. and some eating properly too you know but also just putting yourself first and taking a moment to realize that without you you can't help anyone else yeah yeah course, that's,
0: uh, that's good advice If i was figure out for myself i'm that like that's that makes sense and that's that's been that's been helpful to me if you guess some cases yeah Actually, in most cases, and but that must be tough, though, because, you know, for somebody who used to be there for other people that right to, you know, it's, it's a switch you have to make, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, 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 wanna, I cannot I imagine for you, but I want to understand how, how that was for you and, you know, um, your mom probably will understand, well, she's your mom, but then how was it with your friends and other families and all of those things, like, and were you feeling, like, you know, guilty or anything, mm-hmm. you know, in that
1: moment? Well, I was in, I, I got married at 19 as well to my son's father. So the relationship wasn't very well. It, it wasn't very supportive. Yeah. And friends, you know, when you are not, when you, it's more or less me becoming a wife and a mother than me being diagnosed with something that sure. my friends kind of dropped off. But deep down inside of me, I always wondered, you know, would it ever get better? Would it ever heal back to 50% or more? So I didn't really have, it was mostly just working. It's yeah. mostly just working and being a mother. That was it. That nightlife, I didn't have anymore. You know, I was just a young, young mother and young wife. Yeah,
0: 19 is too young to like retire and you go know, from, that, from that life. So, but you, you, it sounds like you got your priorities and you focus on that. I and mean, in a few many cases, that lessens the load and, and the stress, I think you mentioned that. So that's, you know, what I've been like. Probably tough at the beginning, but it sounds like it was helpful. I wanted to check also, you know, like tell us a little bit about the day-to-day, you know, of, you know, living with that. You mentioned, you know, eating well, staying active and all of those elements. So what was the day-to-day like? And then at the same time, you know, the doctor were managing you rather well. How was that like? Because, you know, we know that when you have trajectory you know, we have heart failure or cognitive heart failure. One measure is the EF. There might have been other EF or measures for you, which is the ejection correction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what was those indicators that you were tracking and following trying to improve? But also, what was it on the other side, like I found between the visit? What were some other things you were doing you know, day in and day out to, you know, to, to stay well and to stay strong?
1: First, I have to say a lot of prayer a lot of prayer and a lot of getting to know God, you know, getting to know my inner self, my spiritual self throughout it all. When I was diagnosed, my EF was 19. Yeah. And up until 30, my EF only increased to about 25%. Um, you were at home with and- I'm sorry.
0: And so you were involved with, at home with the EF of 20, 25? Yes. How much energy do you have? So sort of I had to tell you, but that's like that's a big big factor. Like how much energy do we even have Like to we keep going and stuff like working all of there.
1: I worked third shift. My shifts were 7P to 7A as a nurse. I took care of my mother and father during the day and raised my son as a single mother. I'm busy, I didn't notice it.
0: That's impressive. That's impressive. I remember when I was, my head had gone down up to 11, and then I was on million alone and it had gone up, I think, a little bit to 20 or so. I couldn't function two days in a row. So, like, will mm-hmm. so do something today, like this, I go out or I go to school. I was just keeping busy. But then the next day, I'll have to stay in bed half a day at least, you know, like, you know, only not even the night. You know? So that's why I'm very impressed and trained by that. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, the spiritual journey, you know, you went through that's, that's also been very strong for you. Since you were a nurse, I didn't even know that part. That's a, Nurses are the best people in the world, not just because of the work they do. I feel like it takes certain characters to be able to do that in and out with all the genre that comes with it and, and probably not enough pay and and then still going in and out. You have to be organized and all of that. So I'm also kind of assuming that you're very well organized in, You know how you set those boundaries and how you, you know, right? Yeah, tell us a little bit more, because I am not go, but tell us a little bit more about that, you know, like there, being you know, in the and then how often were you going to the doctor what were the things you were trying to
1: I was going to the doctor. They had me going about once a month, and that was for blood work. And like I said, I didn't know qu- quite much about what was going on or if I even wanted to mentally accept it. But I just continued on, and I just felt like my drive for raising my son and helping my parents was what was keeping me going. At the age of 30 is when I switched doctors, cardiologists, and they felt like I needed a a pacemaker, which is a defibrillator and a pacemaker. Yeah. And I had that place. And then it just seems like after 30, things just started really changing. I think me not sleeping at night for over 10 years, I took care of my mother, which had dementia for 10 years. So, and when my my mother was diagnosed, my son was 10. So it was a little rough on him yeah. as well, seeing that transition of my mother and also not really having me there as much yeah. but I worked, I felt if I worked while they were sleep then I would be okay so after 30 things started to really change and my mindset started to really be like okay what's happening, I need to do something different Yeah. so that's when the, the shift started with me and my body
0: so you, you said that you know, all those years you know I guess beating up your body still, even though we had heart failure at all of that. I know sleeping yeah. enough it's caught up with you. And then you mentioned the AICD, so, which sometime, you know, they will do it probably okay. early on too, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, true still because the AICD itself should make it worse and that. Why do you say that it started going now? What were some of the things that started happening, you know, when you turned 30 to basically start to go down or start to or get worse?
1: It was once I had the defibrillator put in the ICD and started seeing a different doctor, and they started explaining, like you said, the melarone and which he called rocket fuel. So I don't know if you've ever heard
0: it's it's, ahead of them, but yeah, it does work like that to me. It's amazing, you know,
1: it is very amazing. And just to start to say, okay, Jody, we need to shift some things, we need to change your medicine around, we need to, you know, do some things and just. I lost my mother and my father both in 2017. I never heard of anything called broken heart syndrome until then. Yeah. Which I think I was diagnosed with along with the CHF. So just around 35, 36, everything just came down. Broken heart syndrome, the not getting the proper rest, the not eating properly, the stress. And that's when I can relate now to what you were saying. I could be up good for a day or two, and had to sleep a day or two. Barely could go up and down my stairs. Barely could take a walk. Yeah. That's when those things started happening. And then and the medications start changing quite a lot, and higher doses and different medications. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you were going into heart failure. Yeah. Like, like you know, heart failure, because um,
1: mm.
0: that's shocking. And then you're saying, what was your son at on that time? Like like 10?
1: He or was like- 10. Well, he, I, when I was diagnosed, he was just born. So yeah. he was about two weeks old when I was diagnosed. And yeah. when I actually started getting really sick,
0: he must have been seven. He said two thousand two thousand seventeen. right? This is when he yeah. went through. Yeah, so mm-hmm. probably like 16, 17, like in, his, yeah. in the prime of his 10 years.
1: Yeah, so he was getting ready to graduate high school.
0: Wow. Yeah. How was that like for him? You know, because at that point, you know, as a kid, you know, now you're becoming a man and, you know, they start to be gentle. him yeah. other a big thing against teenagers because I'm scared of that. But, like, you know, that's when they start to try things and, you know, step up and stuff. And then, you know, there's all these things out of control, out of his control. so I'm I'm wondering, you know, what were some of the things he was telling you? And, you know, how were you guys managing that as, you know, mother and
1: son? Very protective, I should say. But very, very strong on me. Very hard on me. Trying to understand what it was I was going through, but also saying, okay, mom. You know, let's go. You got this. You know, if you speak it into existence, then it'll be so speak good. You know, so his mind, you know, the younger children, their mindset are a lot different. Yeah. And then to say, well, just let me lay down and rest a little bit or let me just take a nap. It's yeah. It's no, if you get out and go ground yourself, let's go set in the sun. Let's, yeah. you know, so that was, but he was very strong. I have to yeah. say very strong, very, a great kid, a great kid. Yeah. I can,
0: um, like, I couldn't ask for a better kid doing the whole situation. Yeah. So, so it's like it stood up, it stood, yeah, it stood up and almost take charge of the situation. while well being caring and loving and empathetic and stuff. It's amazing. I know I say, I say a lot of things about teenagers, but I have good hope. And uh, they give me hope. I mean, I, you know, I'm not that old either, but like this young age generation, uh, like, like I when was, I hear them speaking, the things they do is it's so honestly impressive, so that gives me a lot of hope. But that's amazing that he was doing that, because, you know, you guys need each other, right? So yeah. it's good that you're both to be, you know, show that love in different ways to each other and then know yourself so well that, okay, you need to get rest, you need to be grounded. So that's how uh, well, that's impressive. Yeah, so take us through the next few years, because I believe you're with Elba now, right? Or oh, you had an Elba?
1: I still do, yes.
0: So when did that step happen mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So I wasn't feeling well for a while. Patrick had graduated high school. My mother and father had passed. Still more stress on me dealing with, you know, their things, dealing with him going to college. And I kept avoiding it for a while, saying I'm okay, you know, but I was just so tired. I was so out of breath. I just felt as if I was, like, drowning. I had so much fluid seen my doctor and my cardiologist said, Jody, you really, really, really need to consider the LVAD, well, which she called it a heart pump at the time. And I didn't have much education on it. I think I didn't quite want to hear it. I just couldn't imagine myself, because I I was the type of person that said I never wanted to have surgery. Yes. So I just kept saying, oh, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. So... One evening, I was taking a shower and just collapsed, and um I woke up in the hospital. They said I had a fluid overload, and it was the most ironic thing. I had an amazing boyfriend at the time, and all of a sudden, I felt as if things were shutting down on me, and it, like it, it started from the top of my head and, and started going down, and I went into cardiac arrest. I woke up and basically had already had ECMO started. And I woke up to my family there, my son at the age of 18. He was hysterical. And there was one nurse, I never forget, that I didn't quite know myself what was going on. But I asked her to explain to my family and help my son. Yeah. With whatever the situation was. And pretty much was told that I needed to have this surgery in order to stay alive. Yeah. So um, I believe I was told by my boyfriend that I was in ICU on ECMO for two weeks. And pretty much an induced coma. I didn't know that. When I woke up, I was already in ICU. And I had the right LVAD and left LVAD. Oh, Bob? Yes. And I was still on ECMO. So I had three, all these things hooked up at one time.
0: Wow. That's Laura White. It is. Yes. That's in
1: lot. As soon as the ventilator was taken out, I was like, look, I need to get up. The nurse part of me kicked in. I need to get up. I need to walk. They said, well, Miss Hollett, you know, we never had anyone walk on ECMO. Oh, really? Because I had four tubes, actually. Yeah. And uh, so you're familiar with ECMO.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you have like two children from there. And, and then you have other stuff.
1: So I I would be walking down the hallway and I see you and I would have the ECMO machine, the R bath, the L bath, the IB pole, a chair. <laughs> I would have 100 people behind me. That's what I was going to
0: say. You talk to so that people like making sure you don't focus it's a long way down. Yeah. It's folks out there. Yeah. The... To walk, I like that part, like, like but I had those stuff moments. but I had learning from my injuries, like, in college, like, I had an ACL repair and stuff. Actually, it wasn't an ACL, the other stuff too. But I remember the first thing, as yeah. soon as I woke up, it was a, you know, I was a short lady, but like, you know, this elderly lady, they lady, like, okay, let's go. I'm like, let's go where? But yeah, she's like, just going to start walking, man. And then the influence was, I really appreciated that. And then same thing happened, of course, you know, after transplant. Sorry, after the LVAD implant, which was the first time. That's, that's amazing that your nurse, you know, the nurse education kicked in. And I'm wondering what your family, I don't know if the family was aware, but what were they thinking about that? Yeah. In that moment, were you trying to walk in and get better, I guess, because your body starts functioning at that moment.
1: Well, I went through, I went through this situation during COVID. So the first month. Of me being in the hospital, my family was there. The first surgery took place along with ECMO and in placing of the right and the left L bag. So the second surgery, that's when COVID hit.
0: Yeah.
1: So they had limited who could come, who could be there. So it was down kinda like a person a day. The same person had to come every day, you know. which I didn't know what was going on in the outside world. I mean, yeah. I, I had yeah. so much going on, I had no idea. Yeah, um, there was no it, warming and
0: everything. And yeah, you yeah. your your bread space is gone, so.
1: Yeah. So I was in ICU for three months. Wow. And I had three different surgeries. The last surgery was to take out the right LVAD. And because they explained to me that I couldn't go home on both. So that they felt my right side had healed enough with melarone and everything else that it would support. Yeah. And I remember crying to my doctor. I had the best doctor ever, Dr. Block. No, I'm sorry, not Dr. Block. I can't think of his name right there, but Dr. Mitchkin and another doctor, but he's a very great doctor here in Charlotte. I believe he's the only one that puts the LVADs in, I believe. And he would come in every morning and do his rounds and say, hey, sunshine. And I had good days and bad days. You know, I had days where I didn't want to get up, days I was nauseated, days I felt dizzy. A lot of depression kicked in. So, you know, as my friends and I see you would walk past, they would give me the thumbs up just as well as, When they're down, you know, I would go by their room and give them the thumbs up and say, hey, you know, let's go. But the last surgery, you know, I kind of begged the doctor like, hey, I'm by myself. I don't want to be on the ventilator. It was very scary being on the opposite side as a nurse. I never thought that I would be on the opposite side.
0: Yeah. It's sometimes better not to know.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's better uh,
0: not to know. To be naive is is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been. So, you know, now that you out it, my daddy said, what was good for your mind?
1: So much. I mean, I had a little delirium from yeah. some of the medication I was on in the beginning. You know, it made me humble.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It made me see life different. I truly felt that there was a second chance. Yeah. And that I had to take full opportunity of it. And I had to... You know, not dwell in what was going on, but learn how to not let it live within me, but live with it.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: And I felt like I had more life to live. And don't get me wrong, it was very scary. Very scary. But with prayer and God and my family, my support, I'm thankful. I'm thankful.
0: I love that you said live with it. that's, That's the message of this show. You know, living with is it's not the end of the world. And in many cases, you can make it. But yeah, it's definitely rough. It's definitely yeah. rough. But it's all like you made that conscious decision, you know, somewhere in that moment. And then you had the support around you. You had, like you said, great doctors, family, you know, outside loving you. And then, yeah, you're like, understand this opportunity. Then you decide to seize it. That's a, that's so dissolve. That's like, you know, I feel like. The tricky part for me is that you were nineteen when this happened. I mean, you know, nineteen we strong. You know, we have our characters and stuff. But on top of that, it seems like those next ten years or so were also very strong for you to prepare you for the bar, You know, and 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 then take this bigger decision for somebody who didn't want to have a surgery. Now you have three, four surgeries. Like right there, that's a lot. Um, yeah. So my that,
1: doctor was very amazed of how. Long I've had CHF.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. Twenty-three years. Also, not just CHF for me, but like we had a low year. You know, you had like that's a hard failure DF. Like literally, you live with. That's like you know, they they book you for that. So to me, that's the impressive part. That's twenty-five. You know, for something that is normally fifty or seventy. You know, to seventy, it's um, oh. it's just I mean, it's half of fifty, but like it's a big difference. So I don't know why they were impressed, but that's definitely. One reason to be impressed. Yeah. So then you got out of that with the NVAD, you know, this is a pup inside your heart, in your body palm. And then you said three months in ICU. So when you, you go to recovery or rehabilitation or something, before you were broke?
1: I did. I went to, I guess what they call it here, step down. It was like yeah. just for, I was only there for a week and it just gave my family enough time to learn how to work with my LVAD and my dressings and, and just be educated on helping me because I was very fragile. I lost a bunch of weight, you know, probably about 40 pounds. So I was really learning how to do a lot of things over again. I mean, I remember doing therapy. I had physical therapy, occupational therapy, and I couldn't, I was so weak. I couldn't even literally hold my battery for my elbow. Yeah. And I would, yeah. I would cry. Which report. is heavy too though,
0: right? You, which heart rate you Three, heart, heart three. three.
1: three.
0: That's the best. That's what had. But the bunches yeah. are about one and a half pound each. So that's three pounds. Yeah. And you back up and, and, you know, so it's a lot you had to carry, like you said, for somebody who's friend.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So what was the addressing?
1: My son and my boyfriend at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And when I say they were A-pros at it, they were A-pros at it. They did not play. And then I have learned how to do it in myself as well. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, so, yeah. you had the LVARD in, you said the pandemic, so 2020.
1: Yeah. Say,
0: yeah. So then you're planning for what, like, you know, three years, about three, three four years. Yeah. What's been like, you know, with the LVARD? What, what changed changing life? What changed the your approach? I mean, for the woman, too, it's, you know, you have everything to look at from how you dress up to, you know, how right. you pack your bags and stuff. So, you know, what was that like? What was, you know, what is life like with the LVAD?
1: Well, I definitely had to learn how to love myself with the scars and and having, you know, something attached to me 24-7. And definitely learning how to dress. And so it took some time. It took some time. The biggest thing for me was not being able to—I love water. So not being able to get back into the pool or the ocean or— you know that was the biggest thing for me. I was like, "Oh my God, really?" No, I you know. But other than that, you know, just I'm still learning some things that I shouldn't do. That's far right. as like, as far as like amusement parks.
0: <laughs> oh
1: yeah. They, yeah. But I, the, I did.
0: You did that? You went to the amusement park?
1: I have. I, I I have to say I did. I did. Yeah, and I got a very good talking to from my cardiologist about it. I'm sure you are very sorry. I, I I am. I was, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I want to live life. I'm trying. To life. It felt like it was starting to begin. Unfortunately, you know, after my parents passed, I didn't have to work as hard, Sure. or do very much. I was like, okay, I can start to live a lot life now a little bit, and then. This happened, so I'm like, okay, I'm kind of back at square one again. Yeah. So definitely loving the skin that I'm in. I'm still working on that.
0: Yeah. And um, when you wake you on that, what does that mean? Like are you doing therapy? Are you doing like your meditation? What are some of the things you're doing? Or is it just mostly you, you know, the, you know, going into your you know, moments, growling and so-
1: Well, I'm definitely going to therapy. Due to, you know, some of the delirium and things that happen in the hospital. So I definitely see a therapist. My sleep pattern is definitely off. So some of the mental has changed as far as, like, the mind wandering and things like that. Wondering, you know, if I hear a beeping noise, I'm like, where is it coming from? Or if I feel a little flutter, I'm like, oh, God, what is this? Or So and then the biggest thing was I lost my brother not even a month after I came home from the hospital. I lost my oldest brother. And I was in the store looking for something to wear for his funeral, and my defibrillator had never went off in over, what, 10 years. And it went off and shot me five times. Wow. So at that time, I was still standing, and it felt like, I was like, oh, did this pump just explode? I was like, "What, what, what just happened? And I actually laid myself down because for two or three shocks, I was still standing up. Yeah. And it shocked my boyfriend at the time as well. And I just eventually just laid myself on the ground and was like, just started praying. That was new to me as well. I had never yeah. experienced that. Just staying, staying prayed up, staying faithful, learning myself, staying grounded. I've turned to a lot of more herbal supplements natural supplements you know of course i still have to take you know my coumadin and my heart medicine and stuff like that but definitely for my energy and my mindset looking into other you know natural healing
0: yeah those are both you know those can be spiritual and you know helpful to your body you know i mean fast forward to now and i think we're talking you know before we went live you know, you're giving me some updates on where things are mm-hmm. and what are some of the recommendations. So bring us here, bring us to like, you know, the present time and you know, what you're juggling with. You know, it seems like there might be a lot of surgery and a lot of fear and questions. Yeah. So what's going on?
1: Well, I mean, I have my good days and my bad days. My EF has not changed. It's still about 25 to 24. <laughs> okay. And my last hospital stay was a couple months back. I was, had a lot of fluid overload. And at that time I was told then to start looking or considering really hard about the heart transplant. Yeah, And I've had a second opinion from Duke Medical and they've told me the same thing. You know, it's possible we can do it, but you're high rejection. And at that time, I'm like, it's a choice. Do I want to put myself through another surgery? Yeah. Or just continue to live life at its fullest and, and, you know, do the best that I can with the LVAD.
0: Yeah. So you haven't been listed yet to be on no. the transplant list? Yes. No. I mean, has anyone t- tell you that you can be listed and still say no to the heart when it comes and you want to a life for it? No. Have you ever had an infection on the health VAT?
1: No, thank God, no.
0: Yeah. No, that's those are all good. It's always good and binding. Because what I know from the system, especially now, when you're on the vat, there's like five or six layers. So you have one, status one, the people that are really in the hospital you know, critical or needy. There's status two, the people still in hospital with an infection or something. Make status three with a device, like the vat or something with an infection. And then with people that are living okay, they have status four. And then below that status seven is when you're off the network, you know, when you're traveling or something. So it would take longer for people that are on status four. But part of the criteria to get a hat is also the time you've been on the list. And I'm saying all of this, this, is just my, I guess, humble suggestion is to go through evaluation, get listed, and then accrue that time to improve your chances if, and when you need it in the future. It's definitely a scary thing. From my own experience, I think it's good when you are in good shape, you know, and the body allows you that, but you know, your condition, you mentioned a lot of other issues, rejection, antibodies, and all that. So I'm wondering why they're saying the antibody, like the heart transplant now, is something, it doesn't sound critical, but it is important to, you know, consider it so. If I had any advice, you know, I guess his friend is get listed. And I've figured out these issues during that time. You won't do it take time before they get you in your heart anywhere, but then when you need it, you want to get listed. Cause you're not going to have like images and listing or anything like that. That's, you know, they'll have to keep you in the hospital for a while and all of that, that would be my only suggestion, you know, and then you can always say no to the heart when it comes, like I'm not ready. I don't want it, something. And there's no one, that won't penalize you, but then. On the positive side too, is that if you like the water so much, the transplant is your next step. Yeah. You like to swim but yeah, it, you know, that's the positive side, but trust me, it's, I've, i felt worse with a transplant after the transplant operation, than the, then the helper, it was definitely tough on me, you know, but you know, it's been like nine, it's going to nine months, months. now, mm-hmm. but after the second months, you know, I could walk around a bit, third month, but the third month was already driving, like slowly, but now I'm like at a point, you know, let's say starting month, five, six, those are the critical months at the beginning because you have a lot of medications And then they start winding you down after meds and stuff, adjusting all the, you know, supplements, vitamins and all of that, and, you know, start okay. to get better and be more active. But it's a journey that, you know, you have to plan a lot and plan well. I'm glad you have a second opinion in doing Duke is one of the, you know, leading hospitals in this surgery. So but that's a tough place to be. So I want to hear more about that. Like I can already see, you know, your, your body reacting and stuff. So what? what's going on? Like, what are some of those things that you're forced to consider now in your situation? I mean, you don't like surgeries, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the transplant, it seems like it's not as low risk as it could be or it should be. So what are some of those challenges you have to think about and, you know, address or navigate?
1: To be honest, it's a little bit of fear, but I have to say, you know, nothing fears me but God. But, and if I made it through this, you know, I can say I can make it through anything, you know, but when I asked my doctor, I said, you know, well, to my knowledge of this, you can't put an BAD on a transplant heart, right? Yeah. No. Okay, and I guess I need to be more knowledgeable of some of it than going off of past people's experiences maybe for myself because when the three surgeries happened, I had no idea they were happening. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much did not know anything about what was going on with me until I went to recovery.
0: Yeah, and you had no say in the world journey. and you yeah. I, speak beyond, I speak.
1: Yeah, I had no say. I had, I mean, it was like my son, my family's decision and the best decision, and it was just kind of being done. So for yeah. me to to go and say, okay, here I am, let's do this, and not feel a little bit good about the outcome. Yeah, it just it it, it worries me a little bit.
0: No, I love that. I think I like that. And that's also testament of your journey, your personality, right? You've been a nurse. You like to be organized. And I think the doctors appreciate the patient like this and now you in control the environment allows you to have that space to be at peace with whatever decision you make and stuff And now. It's definitely not a short journey. So I like it when your patients are in charge and then they collaborate well with the doctor. That's, that's been one of my goal, personal goal to like patient. I mean, obviously, your special patient being a nurse before and then also just who you are over the night over you know, 23 years with this issue um, is is, is amazing. Um, So I think today, you know, we are almost about 15 minutes or so. So I think we're going to wrap up here now. This will be like part one. And I want to continue talking. I want to get a little bit about in your social side of thing. We're going to go to Instagram. And then, you know, maybe we can do the day when your son is around or, we, you know, yeah, there'll be a one version. So we can plan that part too. So let's kind of maybe wrap up this moment. You know, you told us a lot, you know, about yourself, your journey and where you are today, you know, facing bigger decisions. So I'm hoping the previous decision, you know, prepared you well, but, you know, still doesn't make it easier. And obviously, you know, we're rooting and praying for you. We want to make, you know, keep seeing you wins and, you know, you you, you grounded in God. So we pray that God continue to guide you. And then whatever the outcome is, that is a positive outcome for you, you know, and, and your family. So Thank you. thanks a lot for this moment. I'd like to let the guests wrap it up. So I'll let you have the last few words and then we'll, you know, we'll post for now. And I can't wait to talk together with you, you know, on part two of the conversation. Thank, Thank you so much. Right.
1: Thank you. I truly have to say blessings. And uh, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to speak with you. I've been following you. Through your journey, and you're amazing. You're amazing at what you're doing. Getting this out there, it's not an easy task. You don't have a lot of people that even want to take the time to recognize it or understand it, but by you putting it out there, it's it's a wonderful thing. So blessings to you. Blessings to your health and your family as well. And I can't wait to share more with you and speak with you more. All of this I've done, I have to close this by saying I had to learn it was for my life, but it was for my son's life. So I wanted to see him prosper. I wanted to see him grow. I wanted to see his life be fulfilled. And I feel that, you know, in my spirituality, that I will have that moment to see him grow and to see him become the person. Because he's put so much time into being there for me. So now it's his time. So I I love hearing
0: that. -hmm. You know, there's i don't want to say the right world but there's no force stronger than the love of the own. you guys went through, I mean, the journey went through is literally heaven of hell.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah, we'll everything for him too, I and mean, it's gonna be great. I mean, know. by the sound of it, he has been great already. So hopefully, continue to be great and be, you know, like you said, hopefully you know. live live his life the fulfill life for himself. And that's, I guess, you know, mommy's goal God and. That's beautiful. I'm thank so grateful for this moment and, you know, follow you and your pictures with you and your son and your partner. And yeah, can't wait to talk again. So thank you so much, Jody. You take care. Thank okay. You. Thank,
1: thank, you. You. thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye
1: bye. Bye bye.
0: We are reminded that we are all connected through our experiences of friends, family, and community. We thank our guests for your generosity of heart, looking beyond your sorrow to share your journey and inspire others. And thank you for listening to this episode. We hope it did your heart through. Visit us all right for more resources at heartofagile.org. And for more about the podcast, visit livingwithagile.org. Thank you. Goodbye.